You are listening to a life impacting camp preached by Bishop Richard Ayi. Bishop Richard Ayi is the pastor of the First Love Church London, a denomination founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills. The First Love Church is full of zealous young people who love and desire to work for the Lord. You will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this powerful camp. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for these days of visiting and blessing us, Lord. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory. All the glory is yours, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we gather again, thank you for your visitation. Thank you for your blessing. And thank you for your glory. Change us. Heal us. Teach us. Give us light and give us revelation. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amazing. All right. How's everybody? Are you blessed and happy? Okay. So, um, we're talking about the mighty foundations. We are the mighty foundations. Let's read again. Let's read again Luke chapter 6 and verse 47. Luke 6, 47. The mighty foundations. You need these foundations to build the church. So Luke chapter 6. Do you have Luke chapter 6 in your Bible? Verse 47 it says that whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation in a rock when the flood arose and laid the foundation, laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beats vehemently. Are you in church? Are you here? Okay. The stream beats vehemently upon that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. 49. But he that heareth and doeth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So this passage is telling us and showing us the importance of foundations and having the right foundations. Okay, having the right foundations. And um, if you don't have the right foundation, the building will collapse because 
Every building, every structure, every church, every work is subject to all the elements and all the attacks. What, what a good church will go through, a bad church will also go through. What a good Christian will experience, a bad Christian will also experience. Do you understand? No one is exempted from the experiences, the good experiences and the bad experiences of life. So the person who built on a rock and the person who built on the sand, both of them experienced the, the stream, the stream beating vehemently, that is forcefully and strongly against the house. It's not as though because you built on a rock, so you're not going to experience uh, the streams or the elements coming against you forcefully. It is, it is, it is such difficult times or adverse circumstances that reveal the strength of a Christian or the strength of a church and what the church, the system, the organization or the Christian is built upon and is founded upon. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand the English? Do you understand the English that I'm speaking? Yes. So, so your foundation and the foundation of the church is therefore very, very important. Very, very important because the stream will beat vehemently. The stream will beat vehemently. So when you see, next time you see, next time you see somebody criticizing a church or you see a church under attack, don't think that, don't think that that church is a bad church. And the church that is not being criticized or is not under attack is the one that is a good church. Because both good and bad will have difficult experiences. How many of you have had difficult experiences in your life before? Does that make you a bad person? Does it mean you are doing something bad? Yes. What bad? What bad? When the weather gets hot, what bad have you done to be feeling hot? And when the weather gets cold, what bad have you done to be feeling cold? Nothing. That's life. So things come against against you in this life. Rather, what makes the difference is that the different circumstances, the different weather that you would experience rather reveals who you are and what you are. We'll not know, we'll not know what the buildings were, were built on until the stream beats vehemently against it. We'll not know who you are until the moment of temptation. We can't tell who you are. We can't tell what you are until you dip into difficulty that we know what you are made up of and who you are and what is in you. We can't tell how strong the church is and how strong the organization is until there are adverse circumstances and difficulties in um, in in that church and that organization. Okay, are you there? Are you around? So, there are some mighty foundations that we need to go deeper and build more so that we can build more and we can do more. 
there are some mighty foundations that we need to have established. So yesterday we started going through some of the key mighty foundations and the first one that we talked about, were you here? How many of you were here yesterday, last night? Yes. You are not here. Okay. You are welcome. <laughs> the mighty foundation that we mentioned yesterday was the lay ministry. The foundation of lay ministry. Lay ministry means that you are not full time, which means that you are not paid. You are not an employee. Do you understand? Do you understand? An, an employee, somebody, somebody who has been employed means that the person has a contract, a signed contract. And then apart from the signed contract, the person is, receives, receives, um, remuneration, a salary for their work. A sign, you have a contract. I don't have, I don't have a contract with Grace City Church. So I'm not an employee of Grace City Church. Do you understand? I'm not an employee because, why? Because I don't have a signed contract. There's no signed contract. So without that signed contract, you cannot and you should not call yourself an employee of the church. Even, even if you are given a gift, even if you are given a regular gift, Yes, at the end of at the end of the month, every time pastor shows message and says that oh, here's some um, thousand puller, here's some this for for happiness. You are still not an employee. Don't make the mistake of receiving gifts and tips and and encouragement encouragement offerings as a sign that you are an employee. An employee would have would have. An employ an employee or employer employer employee contract. Yes. Are you are you with me or without me? Yes. So so when you, when you don't have that contract, I'm saying that even if you get regular gifts. Be it known unto you that you are not an employee. Yes, you are not an employee. Yes, you are not. Yes. So, so when you are a lay, when you are a lay person, there is no financial obligation between you and the organization. So you are called a volunteer. So you find your source of bread and water. That is money. You find it from somewhere else and then you volunteer your services out of your devotion and your love for God. You say that you are available. And when you look at the vastness of the ministry and the harvest and things that have been done, definitely, definitely you need more volunteers. Definitely. Definitely you need more volunteers than how many if, let, let's even assume, let's even assume that in Jesus' ministry, in Jesus' ministry, let's assume that um, the disciples were full time. How many were they? How many disciples were there? Twelve. Twelve. So the rest were volunteers. The rest that were around him, moving with him, helping here and there. I mean, there are names, there are names that are mentioned. Of people, I mean, there, there, there was, there was, um, 
my Bible is, is playing up, so my Bible is not here. But there was there was a there was a, a, a group of a group of women that the Bible says that they ministered unto him, including Joanna, the wife of Chusa. I think it's in the book of Luke. Do you understand? Yes. And Joanna, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. All these, all these are volunteers around. Helping around. All these are lay people. Helping around. And you see that they are rather even, even appreciating him and giving him offerings. They rather minister to him. He, he had not employed them that he's paying them. And I don't have any record that any of the disciples were paid anyway, but I'm just assuming that those were the ones that have gone all out. So mainly, mainly ministry is done on lay basis. Mainly, mainly. The found, I'm talking about foundation. You need that foundation. You need that foundation. And for you, let me talk to you, you a young person who you feel called and desiring to be into the ministry, I can advise you that it will be good to start off as a lay person so that you can learn how to work. You can learn how to work and you can learn the discipline of going to work and doing what you have to do at work and come back because otherwise you don't have much respect for the work of the ministry and you think the work of the ministry is not work so as you are there you've been employed Mr. Pastor that you meet you have a service on Sunday the question the question I'll ask you is that what will you do on Mondays what would you do on Tuesday what would you do what would you do on Wednesday what would you do on Thursday and what do you do on Fridays? And what do you do on Saturdays? Because your service is on Sunday. 10, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Two hours. Two hours. Four Sundays in a month. Two times four is eight hours. So you work, you work eight hours in a month and at the end of the month you get a salary. Which organization does that? Which organization does that? Tell me which organization does does that. That you you go to church and the the two hours you've gone to church, you preach for 45 minutes or one hour. So so to to be fair, you actually work for four hours in a month and you get a salary. No, if you have a conscience... If you actually have a conscience, you you should say that I am unemployed. I don't deserve this work. I don't deserve this money. You, if you have a conscience, you will come up and say, Pastor, no, 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 no. I think what I'm doing to the church and to God's money is not fair. Because I work for, for I preach one hour a week, one hour a week, times four, four hours, and I collect a salary. So you will see why it is better, it is better to go to work somewhere and then Sundays come and preach for one hour. Because what you have is not, it's not called a job. It's not called a job. 
four hours contribution a month and you need a salary nobody do, do, do you guys understand what, I, what I'm saying so is when you start off because the work the work does increase the work does increase so as the work increases that's where you justify your inclusion that employment your employment now can be justified because there is enough work to warrant employment that is there's enough work that at least can take eight hours of your day eight hours of your day as of now you are doing four hours in a in a month yes but employment is eight hours a day with one hour break yes so like seven hours a day that's employment that's work I don't know the labor I don't know the labor laws here but at least in England it's eight hours a day with one hour break so you work for seven hours it's the same yes so you are doing you are doing four hours and you say you're a priest and you say you should be employed Mm -hmm. yes so you will see that you will see that such a person is actually a lazy person and a lazy person is an ineffective person and somebody who won't be fruitful because if you actually think four hours a month deserves a salary then your mind is not working well then your mind is not working well and even if you say oh it's not your fault you don't, you don't have there isn't much to do that is why you shouldn't be fooled that's why you must be a volunteer because there is not much to do yes yes the reason why the reason why I'll pack my bags and leave the country is because there won't be anything for me to do so I have to go where there's something to do because if I stay what will I go and what will I be doing what will I be doing? I just go look at crocodiles. I, what will I be doing? So I have to pack and go and go to work because I have work. I'm someone's employee, so I have to go to work. Yes. So the work of the ministry is done largely, largely and mainly by volunteers that is without a financial commitment and you do it happily and joyfully as serving the Lord if you love the Lord you will feed Islam if you love the Lord you will feed Islam without employment contracts volunteers the more volunteers we have the more harvest we will have the more volunteers we have, the more have, and the more we have a good quality of ministers, of people who are not serving God because of money and because of gain, but they are serving God because they love God and they want to see souls saved. You need that foundation. You need that foundation. I have the foundation of a volunteer. As, as a pastor, as a pastor, I was a pastor and I was not employed and I was serving God with everything that I have to give to him everything that I have to give to him everything that I can do leading all night prayer meeting leading prayer meetings preaching 
having, having shepherds meetings, having, I mean, everything. I, I had three services on a Sunday as a pastor. Three services because the hall I was using was full. And when it gets, when it gets to three quarter fulls, then I start another service. When that one gets to three quarter full, then I start another service. When it gets to three quarter, then I start another Three services. Before we bought our building and we moved out of that place to our own building, I was having four services every Sunday. Yes. Yes. I was a late pastor. I was a volunteer. Yes. I was volunteering. I was volunteering. Meaning that I was not being paid for what I was doing. So now that now that I am being paid, I'm not I'm I'm being paid because I'm a human being who has rent to pay and who has um, children to feed and who has feet to buy shoes and who have legs to put trousers on. But it's not because it's not because I'm working for money. No, it's not because I'm working for money. So you see that the love and the zeal and the strength is the same. But when you start off working for money, you'll be corrupted. You'll become corrupt. And you'll become angry with your pastor. Because now you, you bring all your problems on him. All your, you put all your problems on him. All your problems will be on him. Instead of going to school and getting a job, so you see, your problems and your difficulties started long time ago. When you dropped out of school. That's, that's when, that is when, that's when your traits, your traits of failure in life began. When you dropped out of school. That's when it began. It didn't begin in church. It's not, it's not the church. It started long time ago. Long time ago. In second, do you have secondary schools? It's not that in secondary school. When you won't go for classes, you won't take classes seriously. You won't study to pass your exams. You didn't have you didn't have an interest, an interest in going to the university. So you dropped out. You said, Oh, it's okay, you just drop out. You will see that you will see that when you enter into the things of God, you have the trait of dropping out. Anything that you are is given for you to do before you are dropping out of it. So you see, out of the kindness of the heart of your pastor, he keeps changing you. You do this for a while, they say, okay, do this. So you keep dropping out of things because you are essentially a dropout. Yes. You are good at you are good at dropping out. When you say you don't like you don't like you don't like difficulty. Anything that's a little difficult, you say, mm, 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 I, can't, I can't do it. But you need to apply yourself to things. You need to apply yourself to things. Apply yourself and apply your brains. Jesus said, serve the Lord with all your heart, all your soul. And it's like, give your everything to him. But you see, people don't give their everything to God. Even when they are preaching, they don't give their everything. When you listen to them for, for five minutes, you fall asleep just now. The, the bad singers, bad singers are those who don't give themselves to the singing. Yes. As they are singing, you are yawning. 
Because the person stands and says, the person looks so dull and inexpressive. But go and see the same person in other settings. You will see. is attractive are people who have applied themselves to everything. That's what he's saying. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, all your mind. Where, where is your mind? Where is your mind? What is your mind on? Everything. If you are serving God, you give everything to everything. So you see people, so you see people who don't know how to give everything. You see it in secondary school. He didn't give whilst he's supposed to be studying chemistry. He's playing football. When your parents have sent you to school, you've made yourself an ops and gyne specialist. Examining things you shouldn't be examining. Yes. Yes. And then you don't pass your exams. So you see the same person now has this ministry. Time to pray. Time to pray. He's on the phone. Time to time to fast. He's watching a movie. Because the person hasn't learned the discipline. The discipline that there is time for everything. This is a time. This is a time to soak in messages and to pray. He can't soak him. He can't. He can't sit in a place. He can't sit in a place and read and read. The dis- you see, the discipline of academic education or going to school is giving you the discipline to be able to read. I mean, like first degree. I mean, what's first degree? First degree is virtually nothing. It's, it, first degree is, is not, it's not, it's not a major achievement. It's, it's actually not. What it gives you, when you see a fair, the respect you have for someone who has first degree is that the person has the discipline to read and to retain what he has read and to reproduce it. It just gives you the discipline that I can learn. I can learn. In ministry, you have to be able to learn. You have to be able to learn. The Bible says that study to show yourself approved. Study. Study. If you don't study, if you don't study, you can't teach, you can't lead. You will not have anything to offer if you don't study. And those disciplines, those disciplines of learning to study, you, you, by the grace of God, you acquire it in your schooling days. I mean, look at Moses. Look at Moses who wrote Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He went to the University of Cairo. Yes, he was brought up in Egypt. Moses was brought up in Egypt in the king's palace. Pharaoh wrote, brought up Moses. How, I mean, how would he? How would he know how to write laws? Have you thought how would he know how to write laws? I mean, how would he know how to write? How to document information? I mean, read the five, it's called the five books of Moses. How would he be able to write all these things if he didn't have a certain training? Yeah, so you even see that you want God to use you. God can only use you up to a certain point because of the way you are. Because of the way you are. Because of the way you are. 
you don't like some things, you don't do some things. How would you write five books of five? The five? Try reading Genesis to Deuteronomy and see the things that have been documented and written in clarity. The English laws, laws of England, are based are based on the five books of Moses, the laws of Moses. Yes, yes. I mean, can you imagine? If you ask you that, who is Moses then? You know him as a prophet, isn't it? Prophet, prophetic, prophetic Moses. But think deeply about Moses. Think deeply about him, and ask yourself, where was he raised up? Where was he raised up? What type of person is he? Think deeply. Apart from this, see him as somebody who sees God. He sees the glory. Oh, glory. He has brains. There were some brains there that, that was being used. There was brains in his head. He wasn't an empty-headed prophetic person. Yes. You can you even see someone, you even see someone who hasn't got a certain refinement. It's not as refined as it can be in the ministry. Even the behavior is different. Yes, the behavior. And the things, the practices. You see the practices that this person is perhaps not educated or enlightened or hasn't got helpers. Hasn't got helpers to advise him that you don't do this. You shouldn't do this. If the person, if the person has helpers or has a bit of latitude. Mm. So, lay ministry, volunteers need a large army of volunteers. We want to do more, accomplish more, get more done because we have volunteers. Volunteers, otherwise, otherwise, the, the church's coffers will be empty. If everybody who serves God has to be paid, the coffers will be empty. We need people who go to work. When you finish work at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock and then you come. Now is church time. Now is church time. Let's serve God. Let's serve Because you don't have much time, you say you'll be more effective. People who have a lot of time on their hands are not very effective. Yes. Yes. Because they are idle. It's the idle person who always says that I have more time. The idle person. When you have a, when you have a lot of time, your preparation is shoddy, because you feel you have to. You always tell yourself you have time. When you don't have time, you know that I don't have time. You see, those people are more focused. They are sharper. They are more effective because they know they don't have time. There isn't much time. Hmm. Sit down. So. That's the foundation of lay ministry. We need, we need that foundation. You need that foundation for yourself and for a ministry. It's a major foundation to build on. To build a church and to build a ministry on. You need that experience. If you've been to a university before, someone is in a university, they say, we have exams this week. And you are standing there saying that, no, we are, fa- we are, go- we are fasting dry this week. It's because you've not been to a university before. Yes. That's why you would declare a, feast, a, a fast in exams week. And say that we are all meeting.
been to a university before, you, are, you understand what it means to be in the university. But you've not been there before. So all your instruction, all your talking is just, you know, you're all over the place. Yes. You're all over the place. And you don't understand why your ministry is not growing and flourishing because you can't relate to the people. Because you lack some experiences and therefore you lack knowledge and you, you lack understanding. Yes. You can't relate. You can't relate. You can't relate. The next foundation I want to talk to you about is the foundation of loyalty. How many of you have understood the foundation of the lay ministry? Volunteers. 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 Build up and gradually, gradually build up and learn. Volunteers. Many people who are you are not don't wait to be paid by the church before you say you work for God. Work for God without being paid by the church. Work for God. Proudly work for God without being paid. Yes, proudly work for God without being paid. With all your heart, with all your heart, everything. Serve God without being paid. Yes. And don't let pastor or any of the leaders feel that they have to give you money for transport. Yes. 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 Don't bring that subtle pressure. It's like, I mean, yes, how will I get home? The foundation of loyalty. Okay. <laughs> Forgive. Uh-huh. Mm. No, I feel you are going to go wild for Jesus. You do wild things for Jesus. You do wilder things, wilder than you've ever done before for Jesus. Yes. Even if you have to walk, you walk. Yes. And you tell Satan that, why are you telling him that I shouldn't walk for the things of God? I used to walk when you were using me. I'm going to walk. Go to walk to see a soul saved. Go to make sacrifices for God. Yes. For God. Yes. For God. For God. You did it for Jimmy. You do, you do better things for God. Yes. Amen, the sisters. I said, Amen, the sisters. Yes. Because I'm talking to you directly. Yes. Okay, the foundation of loyalty tells us that the loyalty and faithfulness without an independent spirit, without criticizing, without politics, without passivity, without deception, and without rebellion against fathers are foundations of our church.
Do you understand? Loyalty and faithfulness without an independent spirit, without criticizing, without politics, without passivity, without deception, and without rebellion against fathers are foundations of our church. We don't encourage criticizing against fathers or even against anybody. Yes. Yes. Independent spirit. That you do your own thing. No. We don't encourage that. It's not a good foundation to have. So, let me give you signs of true sons. Yes. I'm talking to you about loyalty. You need to be a son. So I'll start off with signs of a true son. The real sons. The real sons of the house. This, this is what they look like and this is how they are. So you can aim to be that and be. That's how, that's how God can use you. That's how God can use you. That your pastor will say, this is my son. This is my son. This is my daughter. That's how God can use you. Inheritance. Inheritance does not go to strangers. Rarely would inheritance go to strangers. Or even, let me even leave inheritance, even features, physical features. Physical features. You don't buy, you don't buy the physical features you have. You don't buy it off your parents. It comes to you naturally. It comes to you naturally. Before you realize, you have your father's nose. Yes. Before you realize, you are a girl, but you have your father's ears. These have seen a lot of girls who look like their fathers. Yes. You don't buy it. But you look like. Before that, you look like your father. When you see your face, this is your father's face. But you didn't buy it. That is, that is what you earn when you become a true spiritual son. The goodies of the house passes on to you without any request. It comes so naturally. Come so natural. The anointings, the graces, the strengths, the blessings, it passes on to you. You don't apply for it. You don't have to ask for it. Just by being the true son. A true son, it passes on to you. Just as before you realize you, you've come into the world with your mother's eyes. You don't even know how it happened, but you have your mother's eyes. When they see you, your features, when they look at your features, your features are the features of your parents. And you didn't apply for it. Maybe if you had applied for it, maybe some of the features, you wouldn't like it. Yes. Yes, you'd have to. You say, oh, no, no, I would like to swap. I would like this one from mommy, and I would like this from daddy, and I would like this from this one. It's like different things. Yes, you pick and choose what you want. But you were not given up. It was given to you. Yes, it was given to you. Yes, it was given to you. When you look at your face, close the mirror, you say, ah, this is your father's face. Even though, even though you're a girl. 
You do a girl. This is your father's face. Yes. You are called beautiful girl. Yes. Yes. Beautiful girl. Yes. Yeah. So, things pass on to the children without struggle and without request. And that is, that is the loyal ones, the faithful ones, they receive it. I pray that you all become true sons and daughters of this house. True sons and daughters of this house. So what are the signs of a true son? Number one, a son or a daughter resembles his father. Yes. So now we are talking about spiritual things. So what, what will be, what will be the resemblance? The resemblance will be style of ministry. Fruits of the ministry. Effects of the ministry. The type of anointing that you walk in and you, you hold. You will preach like your father. Oh yes. You will teach like your father. Your church will grow like your father's church is growing. The things, the things that happen in your father's church, how things are done, how things are laid out, how things are set up, the emphasis will be the same. You will look, you, you will resemble your father. When we enter into your church or into your ministry, where you are having a meeting or you are doing whatever, we say, oh, you are just like the father. You are just like your spiritual father. Resemblance is the thing that explains the grace and the anointing that is at work. The grace and the anointing that is at work is what explains the similarities. The similarities. The similarities. Sometimes I can tell some pastors that you say you say you are you are copying or you are learning, but because you're not a true son, you copy headlines. But you don't copy the details. So you, you think you look like it, but you don't look like it. Yes. Because the headlines are different from the story. Yes. Yes. And the details is where the spirit, the spirit of what you've seen lies. Because once you see somebody, you don't know why it's being done. So you just take it and say that, okay, I'm doing this. But because you don't know the details of the spirit behind it, what you think you are doing, you are doing it all wrongly. Huh. Are you though you've traveled? Yes, headlines. It's the easiest thing to copy, Headlines. Yes, headline says easiest thing to copy. The easiest things to copy. Yes. But there's always there's always the small print. Which is which is the which is really the thing. Which is really the thing. So hard followers really follow hard. They put their nose and their eyes and everything into the to see, to see why. You see, I can, I can tell you something. Anything you see, you see your pastor doing that you would like to also learn. 
especially the pastors, you have to you have to ask yourself or ask him why. Why do you do this? Why don't you do this? Because it is knowing the why that understanding comes. How is wisdom? Why is understanding? Yes. So when you don't know why something is done, those are the copiers of headlines. But you see that the fruits are different and the results are different because the understanding and the spirit in which it's being done is different. So people, you know, people copy things up to a point. And then they don't copy the rest. So the results are different. But little things make a big difference. Little things. Little things. There's a documentary. If you ever care to uh, watch, you can watch. It, it talks about little things that make a big difference. And it compares, it compares a human being, a baby, to a monkey. Yes. They are given tasks, a baby task to do. You see that the, the, the monkey can virtually do everything that the human being can do. Up to a point. Then you see a little thing that the monkey can't do anymore. That little thing is what makes a big difference between human beings and monkeys. Yes. Have you, have you ever seen have you ever seen monkeys having a camp? That let me call, let me call together all monkeys and train them. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. But human beings can call fellow human beings and say, let me teach you. And they'll be, they'll be seated there. And they'll be taught. But monkeys, if, if, if monkeys could do that, if monkeys could do that, that movie would have become a reality. What's the name of that movie? Planet of the Apes. Yes, Planet of, that movie would have become a reality. Because in terms of strength, we are no match to apes. We are no match to them. If an army of apes decide to descend on Botswana, You thought I'll say London, isn't it? No, that's <laughs> one. You'll be, you'll be no match. If they decide, they plan. It's like they sit down and they plan. Let's attack this this country. Let's take over. And they sit down and they plan. And they start coming. You'll be no match. Yes. But you see, that little thing of in, inability to mobilize, to organize, to, to communicate, 
to transfer the knowledge, the thing that they know to another person is what makes a difference. Yes, it makes a difference. And it makes a, it's a little thing that makes a big difference. Because they can walk, they can eat, they can have children, they can, they, they even fight amongst themselves. They do so many things, but there are little things that they can't do. And those little things causes a, a huge difference. Huge. Huge. Huge difference. So sometimes you will see somebody as, as a human being, as a human being who is following hard. You want to be loyal and faithful. You should be higher than a monkey. So when you are copying, you have to copy well. So there's a difference between you and a monkey. You're not a monkey in Jesus' name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So you see, so you see pastor doing something. You have to, you have to look at him carefully. Carefully. Because you will see things he doesn't do. You will see things he does not do. So you are not presumptuous. And feel that, oh, that the pastor, pastor said this, it means a pastor does this, 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 this. No, pastor does not do certain things. If you watch carefully, you see he doesn't do certain things. Yes. There are things, there are things I know, I know that prophet doesn't do. You may not hear him maybe teach it or say, but I know he doesn't do certain things. Because you have to watch carefully. Read in between the lines. Read the small place. He does this. He doesn't do. He will not even do it. Mm. So, a true son resembles the father. Yes. And it's an honor and a privilege to ever be told that someone would ever hear you preaching and say that you sound like pastor. It's a level. It's a level. It's a level. Yes, that's someone will tell you. Say, Serena, when you were preaching the other day, I was so blessed. I was so blessed. I actually felt like pastor was in the fellowship. I was so blessed. That's resemblance. Now you're beginning to, now your ministry will start growing like his church is growing. Now you start raising shepherds and key people like he raises shepherds and key people. You see that you see that the comparison will be there. We can compare the things that he has this, he says he does this, you also do that. He does this, you also do that. He does that. He's happy in his marriage. You say you're also happy in your marriage. Because you've learned you've learned how to relate with your husband. You watch carefully. Okay, Pastor doesn't do this. Pastor is like this. Pastor spends time. Pastor is this. You also learn it. Not that you wake up and say, Oh, you are your my husband is a fool. What are you talking about? God forbid. <laughs> yes. John chapter 14. John 14. John 14 verse 9. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Say, He that has seen me has seen the Father. It's like I look like the Father. 
I sound like the father. I'll do what the father will do. I'll say what the father will say. I'll operate. I'll operate like the father. He that has seen me has seen the father. Yes, he that has seen me has seen the father. I work like the father. He that has seen me has seen the father. When you are seen, who do we see? How can you be in the, in this ministry? Then when we see you, it's like, it's like we have seen, we have seen some prophet from another ministry. Yes. What you admire is what you become. 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 What you can go deeper into is what you become. As a loyal child, as a faithful child, what you admire, what you hold in admiration, in admiration. Yes. I have, I have no, I have no apologies for preaching 190% what my father has written and has taught. I have no apologies for it. I have no apologies for it. I admire it. I like it. I want it. I, I mean, I don't need, I do. Nobody has ever taught it. I was not taught that preaches messages. I was not taught. Yes, I preached it. I preached it. And it worked. Yes, I preached it. I took it one day. I took it one day and it was like, it was like Aaron's, it's like Aaron's rod that turned into a snake or I took it one day and said, ah, this thing is powerful. One day I picked out the message and I said, ah, this thing is powerful. This thing works. This thing works. It works magic. It seems to work magic. So you see, I started, I started distributing messages with those, then we had cassettes. I started distributing cassettes to my pastors around me and shepherds around me because I have seen some, I've seen something magical. I've seen something magical. The thing, the messages are magical to me because it works, it works something. Don't need encouragement. You don't. You don't need to encourage me to to do that because you you don't, you don't know what I've seen. It's magical. Yes, it's magical. That's what I told you at the beginning. That if you don't like, if you like, you can leave the camp because me. This is what I'll preach. Yes. If you call me next week to come again, I'll come again with his messages. Yes. That's what I'll come with. Yes. Because to me, it's like that rod. That you can, or that mantle that you can smite the sea and it will part. Yes, yes, yes. You can smite, you can smite it and it will part. There's, there's a power in it. There's a power in it. There's a power. Yes, yes. Sit down. I don't know why you're standing. <laughs> Magical. It's magical. It's magical. Hmm. Do you copy haircuts of footballers? You say that why why should why should I copy uh, my father's speech? You football, you've cut your hair like a footballer. That's what that's what you admire. 
when I see you, I can say you admire footballers. You ca- you've cut your hair like a footballer. The footballer is your hero. A footballer is your hero. A prophet is my hero. An apostle is my hero. An evangelist is my hero. A pastor is my hero. A teacher is my hero. You, a footballer, is your hero. Why do you want to criticize me? Why are you going to talk about me? When I see your head and the hair on your head, I can tell. You think you think we can tell? I can tell. It's a fo- you admire footballers. You admire footballers. Yes. When I see your head, I can see that. I can I can see that your 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 idols of life are cel- secular celebrities. Celebrities. Unbelieving unbelievers and singers. That's what you admire. When I see you, I can say, Yes, this is where you are coming from. These are the people you watch and you soak. You are you are into unbelievers. Yes. You are in you are into unbelievers. Yes. Even your dressing. I see you wear you wear suit, no socks. I can, I know who you admire. You admire an uneducated and cultured person who has become a millionaire. Yes. 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 They're coming to criticize me. As though, as though you don't. I'm, that's why I'm attacking you first. I'm showing you that I also know who you admire. From, from your hair. Your hair first. I can tell. Because we, we all watch football. We all watch football. We can see, we can see the different hairstyles. I'm going to tell where you learned it from. You didn't learn it from your mother. Your mother didn't teach you that hair you are wearing. You saw that footballer. You saw that striker. You said, I want, I want my head to be like his head. I also want to be like my father. I want to minister like him. I want to catch the anointing on his life. I want to flow in the ministry like he flows in the ministry. Admire you, you admire some uneducated, uncultured person who, who is a boxer. That's what you admire. So that's why that's why you go to the gym and then you wear you wear you wear a lot of gold chains. You wear a lot of gold chains that you are walking. Sir. What you admire. That's what you admire. Even you are talking, you can't help it. You have to hold this place by all you can help it. Because of the person you admire, you have to hold this. It's the person you admire. It's what's in your heart. You can't help it. See, talk, you, know, you know what I mean? What's up, man?
Tomás. That's what you admire. That's what you like. So it's entered into you. You are not even aware that you are walking like that and you are talking like that and you are becoming like that. Because that is what you admire. Yes. That's what your eyes are on. Do you even realize? You even realize. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Do you even realize? Even your trousers. Look at, look at where your trousers are. Because it's falling off. Because you admire someone who wears trousers that are falling off. Even the way you walk has changed. Because you, you have to walk in order to hold, to hold the trousers so it doesn't fall. Even you go, you go for all night prayer meeting. We're all praying. You've come. You speak in tongues. You pray everything. But your admirer, the person you admire, is showing in you. So you say, It's who you admire. That's what you admire. That's what you soak in. When you go home now, you are not going on YouTube to go and watch to go and watch Bishop Dag. You are going on MTV. The other thing is to go and watch people do it. Yes. So it's showing. Yes. Even though you say that, oh yes. I love Bishop Dag. I admire Bishop Dag, but you don't admire him. Yes, you don't admire him. You don't admire him. It's not true. It's not true. Because the person you admire, you look like the person. You appear like the person. You dress like the person. You talk like the person. You walk like the person. You believe in what the person believes in. Yes, you do what the person does. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Even your beard that you've grown, like 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 the like the Taliban. Yes. 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 If you admire ministers, you'll be a minister by now. Because you'll be looking for an opportunity to preach, to share. It's not how I showed you, you and five people, because you want to share something. You want to share. That's what you admire. So you'll be eager to share. You'll be, I mean, you'll be, you'll be restless. It's like, I need to share. I need to teach. I want to practice teaching because I've seen this teacher of the word that I admire so much. I want to preach like him. So you even see a small space, but you are moving like the preacher. You want to move. You want to, you know, you want to see whether it's work. Because that is what you admire. That is what you admire. Ask your, ask three people around you, who do you admire?
Number two. I'm giving you the foundation of loyalty. Some of you are changing your vision of who you admire. You are realigning it to proper. How many of you realize I'm, I'm telling, I'm saying the truth that you really don't admire what who we think you admire. You don't listen to the music that we think you listen to. We have the songs for the church, but that's not what you listen to. Yes, you'll be listening to other things. You'll be listening to other things. Yes. 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 So you see, that's like a, you see, a, a little insignificant, almost something that is it's almost like nothing, that like a towel. You'll be wondering, hey, Mr. Bishop, are you not too strict? No, I'm not too strict. Little things make a big difference. Little things say something. There are a lot of things that are like nothing, but they are something. Yes. You see, the Bible says about Jesus' mother, Mary, that she took she took notice of some things about the son and what was happening, and she kept it in her heart. She kept it there. I hope they will they can find that passage for us. It's like it's like she noticed that this this child is a special child and a different child. Things, the prophecies, things she has heard, things that have been done. It's like she took note of it. And she said, This child is not, it's not a normal child. It's a supernatural child. Yes. I'm sure they'll find it. They'll look for it for us. So that I don't have to go to my Bible and go and look for it for you. My helper, my helper will help me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Helps ministry. Helps ministry. So there are things that are little, little, but it says so much about the person. So much. So much. Even when you sit in church, your regular position, why do you like to sit at the back? Why are you always at the back? I'm not saying once in a while you are in the back, but you are always at the back. You prefer to be at the back than to be close to the front. Why? Why? And then people who used to sit in the front but have gradually moved to the back. It's also another message. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Especially those who used to be front and they've gravitated towards the back. I notice. I notice. I notice. I notice the time people come to church. The time. The time you come to church. Say something about you. The time you come. The time you come to church. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Somebody say mercy. 
So number two, we have to finish this one because we have a couple more foundations. You know our camp is ending. In a few minutes time, our camp is finished. Mercy. Somebody say mercy. Uh-huh. <laughs> a son or a daughter is forever. That's the second sign of a true son or a true daughter. It's forever. John 8, Let me show you that verse quickly. Luke chapter 2 and verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She noticed all the things that were happening. She kept it in her heart. She noticed all the things. All that were happening about her son. She noticed all the things and kept them in her heart. And that this son is a special son. So there are some things you will notice. Anyway, John 8, 35. <laughs> John 8, 35. What does it say? It says that a servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. Sons are forever. They don't leave you. They don't have plans of it. They don't have plans that, you know, I'm only here for training. I'm going to start my own ministry one day. Yes. Yes. Then why don't you leave now? It's servants who leave. It's servants who don't stay forever. Sons stay forever. Your child is your child forever. Yes. 
Sons stay forever. Servants don't stay forever. Servants come for a while, then they disappear. Sons are there forever. Ask your neighbor, who are you? You see, you have to, you have to grow up together in this church. You grow up together. You marry together. You attend this person's wedding. This one attends this person's wedding. You are this one's maid of honor. This one's this one's maid of honor. You attend this one's baby naming. This one attends your baby naming. Your children go to school together. Your children go to the university together. Your children grow up together because you are sons of the house forever. 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 That's your future. That's your future. That's your future. I officiate, I officiate weddings of children of my pastors. And I just, I just say, so somebody was asking me that, you look so happy when you came, we came for these weddings. You look so happy. We, we just want to know why you look so happy. I said, because their parents have grown up with them in England. We were all in our twenties. We're not married. We said we are doing church ministry. Then we married. I said, I remember their parents. I remember them when they found their beloved in the church and they married and they have grown up. They gave birth and that child has grown up. It has got a beloved and they are married. I said, I said they are like, their parents are like sons and daughters to me. Because forever, it's like we've been together forever. We are there. We are there. They are there. Their children have grown up married, and I'm sure I'm sure soon I'm going to dedicate their children's children's no their children's children. Yes. Forever. We are in it forever. We are in it. We don't have plans of going anywhere. How can we achieve anything or build anything if everybody has a plan that I'm only here for six months? I'm here for six years. I have a six I have a six year contract, then I'm going somewhere. Then you are not a son. Then you are not a son. Church is a family. Church is a family. Church is, is church is not it's not like a corporate corporate institution where you you wake up one morning and say that I want to move on. We are moving on. I'm, I'm moving on. It is it is a family. It is a family. It's not a business. It is a family. You don't move on in families. Where families are concerned, you don't say that, okay, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm moving on from this family. From today, you are no longer my father. I'm moving on to another father. People who don't understand church are the ones who come up and say, I'm moving on. It's like, I've worked, I've worked here enough. I've worked here for five years. I've worked here for three years. It's enough. I want to move on now. Now I am moving on. Church is a family. We are together forever. Together forever. We are together forever. Together forever. We'll marry here. We'll have our children here. We'll have our weddings here. We'll have our baby dedications here. 
We will attend the funerals of our parents together. We will comfort you. You will comfort together. We will do everything. It is, it is a family. We'll cry with you when you have to cry. We'll laugh with you when you have to laugh. We'll dance with you when we have to dance. We'll do everything together. It is a family. It is a family. It is a family. It is a family. We'll attend your graduation. We'll attend your graduation. Because you will graduate. You will attend your graduation. We'll watch you grow up. You go to the university, you graduate, you get a job, we'll pray for you, you get good jobs. You you have the best jobs in the city. Yes. And you are still in the church. You're still in the church. The time will come, the, the car park will be will be full of your cars. You fill the car park with your cars. You will come and park your car there. It will be your car. Because here forever. Not that when you start driving, they say, I, I don't have time to go to church anymore. God forbid. You come and park your car in the car park. Your car will be here. Yes. Then as you grow up, you grow up, you see that one day say your car is here and your child's car is also in the car park. Church is a family. It's a family. It's a family. It's a family. The first time Prophet took me to Seoul, Korea, I think it must be 1999. Yes. And I remember. Yes, you be there. And I remember we went for cell meetings. You know, to the, they will attach you to a cell group, attend a cell meeting. So there, I remember we were asking the people how long they've been in the church. How long have you been in the church? This one said 35 years. This one said 25. In that meeting, in that meeting, the least I heard was 17 years. That was the, that was the, that was a small girl in the, in the place, 17 years. 17 years. The last born of the meeting. Yes, 17 years. I've been in church for 17 years. It is a family. It is a family. It's not just the place that you pass through. I'm passing through the church to go somewhere. I'm going to become somewhere something. No, you don't pass through. That today you are being fed in the church, being blessed in the church. Then tomorrow you are criticizing the church and speak and speaking like Satan. Satan is speaking through you. You have to admire your father. You have to like your father. You have to like your father. You have to like your father. If you don't like your father, you always be in a hurry to leave him. You have to like him. You have to admire him. You have you have to want what he wants. You're walking around choosing beloveds anyhow. In any way. You will not ask, you will not ask your pastor that do you approve of this thing? Do you like this choice that I'm making? What do you think? You want to choose what you like because you feel you know everything. He's just sitting there, then you bring then you bring a boy. 
He's just sitting there. Then you've brought a girl. Then you say, Pastor, I approve of it. And he's telling you in no uncertain way that no, this one is not good. This one is not good. This one won't be good for you. Change it. You are still insisting this is what I like. Because you're not a son. Yes. Anybody you will talk to more than five minutes on the same issue is a stubborn person. More than five minutes. More than five minutes. You don't, need more, you don't need more than one meeting. You don't need more than five minutes in the one meeting on an issue. Otherwise, you are looking at a very stubborn person. Very stubborn, won't change, shan't change. Not planning to change. Yes, yes. yes. That was in the church, they'll, they'll be calling the pastor Dada, Papa, Pupu, Pipi, Palapa, Pupa. Just, just floating words. But you won't do what he says you should do. You won't do it. You won't do it. When he talks to you, when he talks to you, then you bring your case while you are misbehaving. Because a real child, you'll be told, do this. you say, yes, please. Yes, please, thank you. Please. You, you are even lucky that you'll get an instruction. You are lucky that you get an instruction. To get an opinion of a father. Ah, you don't know what it means. You don't know what it means to get the opinion of a father. You don't know what it means. You don't know what it means to have the opinion. The father will say his opinion. Me are not people that I don't give my opinion to. Oh no, I don't. I won't say anything. I say okay, but I have an opinion. Do I have an opinion? Yes, I have an opinion. But I'm not given my opinion. Why would I I not give my opinion? Because I don't want to convert that person to a disobedient child. Because I know the person will not do what I say. So I won't give my opinion. Yes. Out of love and care for you, I will not tell you what I'm thinking. Because if I say what I'm thinking, you become a disobedient person. Mm -hmm. You are lucky that your person will open his mouth and tell you what to do. Tell you, study this course. Tell you, go to school here. Tell you, finish school. Tell you, get a job here. Tell you, stop doing this. Tell you, be like this. Tell you, marry this one. Don't marry this one. And you are arguing. You are standing there arguing. You are standing there. Someone who can be your, even your biological father is giving you advice based on his experience plus the wisdom of God in his life. He's telling you that this one will not be good for you. Because the person knows you, knows you through and knows him. And says, this one will not work for you. And you are giving him why it would work. Thank you. Live your life. Yes, live your life. Yes, live your life. Live your life. Yes. Yes. You see that you are in the church. You are calling him Papa. You are calling him Pipi. You are calling him Pepe. You are calling him Pupupuli, Pupupuli, Papa, Pulu, Papa. But you are not a daughter. You are not a son. You are not. From your behavior, you can say that you are not. Yes. Because you are not. Yes. How much of the stresses do you take? It's like, it's like he's still debating with you as though you are his equal. As though, you, as though you are equals. And because 
because of the love of God in his heart that he's so patient and he keeps talking to you. Sometimes it's almost like a joke. You know, almost like the person is almost like a joke. Oh, so will you do this? Or won't you do this? Hey, I'm telling you this like a laugh. So you won't take it seriously. Yes. You won't take it seriously. Because the, because the person hasn't squeezed his face and said, look, today's the last time I'll talk about this. Because he hasn't said that. So you think you are equals. You are still discussing things. Yes. You are creating a marital crisis that can lead to serious, can have serious consequences. So it tells you that apart from everything, go home, go and have sex and come back. He say, I won't do. <laughs> be there. Be there and be discussing. Sit down. Children are forever. Number three. <laughs> First John two nineteen. A son and a daughter is forever. Ask your neighbor, are you staying forever or are you passing through? Even first John two nineteen, they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would no doubt have continued with us but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us yes they are leaving was a sign that they have never been sons and daughters they have never been even though they walked around as though they were sons and daughters but they are going was a sign that no, they have never, they have never been sons, they have never been daughters. Never because before. Yes. Never. You are there or you've traveled. Number three. How many of you are deciding to stay forever? Yes. <laughs> uh, some people are still not deciding to stay forever. So why don't you go now? Oh, yes. Okay. Number three, sons and daughters believe in their fathers and trust in them for everything. They believe in them and they trust them for everything. That's the real relationship between a father and, and children. The child looks up to the father for provisions, for protection, for deliverance, for direction, for every for everything. For everything. Matthew chapter six. Matthew six, verse nine. A 
After this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So you look to the Father for provision. 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts also. So they look up to the Father for forgiveness and for mercy. They don't wait for their father to come and apologize to them. They apologize to their fathers. Do they say, Daddy, you have to apologize to me. You have offended me. Come and apologize to me. Come and apologize. They apologize to their fathers for being disobedient, for being stubborn, for being rebellious. They apologize to their father. Not the father to come and apologize to them for shouting at them and for correcting them and for rebuking them. He should come and apologize to you because you have become grumpy because he raised his voice at you or he used you as an example when he was preaching. So you are upset. You are leaving the church. He should come and apologize to you. Indeed. Who trained you? Who brought you up? He should come and apologize to you. Because when he was preaching, he gave an example that is the thing you told him the other day. You didn't do it. You told you, told you were told, telling him in private, in confidentiality. Nobody will ever hear about it. Here it is. He's preaching and he's using it. Brought it up in a meeting when everybody is there. I've never, I've never discussed my life. I'm, in, I'm an intensely private person. You just brought you just brought my issue up in front of everybody. I was I was so embarrassed. I was so hurt. I don't think I'd like to come to the church again. I'm leaving. So your father should come and apologize to you. You should look to your father for forgiveness. Don't make your father come and kneel in front of you and apologize to you and to say sorry to you. 13. And lead us not into temptation. That is, you look up to your father for direction, for leadership. He should lead you. Leadership. Leadership. That's how that's how come he will lead you into the ministry. When I met prophet, I was not a pastor. I was not a pastor. I've never thought ever before in my life that I'll be a pastor. Never ever. He led me into the ministry. He, he came to my house to visit on a visit. And on that visit, he asked me, Do you believe you are called? And I always remember saying, and then I asked him, do you think I'm called? Then he said, yes, he thinks so. That was the first time I heard about call and that I am called. He led me into the He has led me into the ministry. Yes. That's how come I'm standing in Botswana today and I'm preaching. He led me. He led me to this point. He led me here. Yes, he led me. It's his, it's his leadership. He held my hand. He held my hand and took me where, where, where I must be. Yes, that's why I'm standing here. Lead us not into. You look for your father for leadership. You don't separate from your father and feel you know everything. 
You know everything. You can do everything. He leads. He will lead you. He will lead you. He will lead you into what to study. He will lead you into who to marry. He will counsel you. He will coach you on how to be a good husband and how to be a good wife. Because you don't know how to be. You don't. You think you know, but you don't know. not into temptation. Fathers fathers lead. Fathers offer direction. Fathers offer their opinion which is a decision for you and direction for you. Watch it when the father offers his opinion. It's almost like a test for you. When you have a father, when you have a father, you are different from somebody who doesn't have a father. You can easily be blessed. I mean, blessed in abundance, promoted in abundance when you have a father, and you can also easily be cursed. Yes, that's the father. That's the power God has put in the father. I am learning not to say everything that I think about people. To take my time and be sure. This person, if I say, is this person a daughter? Is this person a son? If I say it, will they do it? Because I don't want to put the person in difficulty that I said and you didn't do. And then now you are in problems. And deliver us from evil. The Father offers deliverance. Yes. When you are in difficulty, when you are in difficulty, you will see. I don't know how old you are. When you are in difficulty, you will see that the person sitting next to you, helping you to solve the problem, that face and that voice is your father's face and your father's voice. You will see that your your pastor, who is the father, is the one who is with you in difficult times to show you the way out to help you to maneuver and to wriggle out it's a father who is there yes, it's a father who is there fathers are always they are always making a way for their children but you, you will see your child in difficulty and you will see that if you don't intervene if you don't intervene this child's life and future is being defined so you have to eat Thank, thank God for strong fathers. Don't hate strong fathers. Thank God for strong fathers. Thank God for fathers that today you will say that they are opinionated. One day you will say thank you. I hope that they won't be when they are in the grave. As he's insisting and saying no, finish your education. As he's saying no, don't stop, break up with that boy. And you are angry and you are crying and he says he doesn't care. Cry, cry till the bucket is full of your tears. One day you will thank him. Because he is delivering you from evil. He is delivering you from evil. 
Fathers will maneuver. They will maneuver to take you out of difficulty. They will maneuver. Yes, they will maneuver to take you out of evil. I saw some people not long ago who have become doctors. You know, they've become the medical doctors. And I remember prophet maneuvering saying that no, you have, because they went to do some other course first degree, three years, and we are finished. He said, no, you have not finished. No, you cannot do this. Back to school. Back to school and study medicine. They are doctors. They are doctors. The father has maneuvered. He has maneuvered. He has delivered them from the evil of a low life. A low life, low quality life, low income, low everything. He has delivered them from that low life. Hey, guys, guys, thank God for strong fathers. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If you don't know, if you don't know what is good for you, I'm showing you what is good. Thank God for strong fathers. Thank God for fathers who speak. Thank God for leaders who have rules and strict and they implement and apply the rules. Thank God for those people. Because it's deliverance from evil. You say deliverance from evil. How do you think you'll be delivered? How do you think you are going to be delivered? How will deliverance come? By watching you and by remote control then you are delivered. No. He will speak. He will insist. That's how some of you who are privileged to be close to your pastor. You say he says some things to you that you will not hear it being said from the pulpit. It means you are privileged. Just, just as Jesus took the disciples and explained parables to them. You have access to privileged wisdom. Privileged wisdom. Higher wisdom. You have access to it. Don't despise it. Don't make yourself into a fool and despise what you are hearing. Hmm. Sit down, number four. Let's finish. Are you understanding the, the foundation of loyalty? Mm. So you look up to the father for everything, isn't it? You look up to him for everything. Number four, a son, a true son, honors his father. Honest mm, his father. Malachi 1 6. As a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? So, one of the defining, maybe key defining factors or traits of a relationship between a son and a father is Anna. Yes. Anna. It's the Anna that is between you and that person that makes the announcement that you are my father. Oh, you are a father to me. You are not a brother. You are not a friend. You are not a colleague. You are a father. Therefore, I honor you. Because you don't, you don't honor a friend or a brother. How many of you have brothers in your house? 
Are you not always fighting and quarreling over, over meat and over chicken? Huh. Yes. 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 That's the thing that I tell children. I tell children who come from single parent home, like single mother home. It's just your mother that is bringing you up. And you see her cursing your father, insulting your father. I always tell them, don't add your voice to it. She is insulting her boyfriend. Her boyfriend is your father. He is not your boyfriend. The relationship is different. So don't add your voice to it. Because when you add your voice to it, it amounts to dishonor. You are dishonoring your father. And when you dishonor your father, it will not be well with you. She is talking about her boyfriend. Your father is her boyfriend. They met somewhere in a club or in a room somewhere and they had sex and you came into the world. It's her boyfriend. She's talking about her boyfriend. Because listen to her carefully. If you ever hear her talk about her father the way she talks about her boyfriend. So as you are sitting there, you hate your father so much. Because of all the things your mother has said, you are being led, you are being led to hell. You dislike him so much. You dislike your father so much. And your mother loves her mother so much. Your grandfather, your mother loves him so much. <laughs> and you have been trained to hate yours. Young girls, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. From today, know that your father is not your boyfriend. Yes. He's not your boyfriend. He's your mother's boyfriend. (laughs) Somebody say clarity. (laughs) I'm learning words. your mother's boyfriend not your boyfriend you can't, you, can't, you can't talk like that about him he's your father he's your father you are his seed you are his seed his seed that he's pre-planted in your mother that is who you are you are his seed you came out of his loins he caused your existence it's his activity his decision and his work that brought about your existence you are his seed You have no right to judge him or to condemn him. You are his seed. Yes, you are his seed. Yes, he caused your existence. A father is someone who causes your existence. Yes, he's different from your friends. He's different from your friends. He's different from other relatives. He's different from other people. The scripture says that you have 10,000 teachers, but you don't have many fathers. Yes. There are a lot of people who come around and preach conventions, programs, preach powerful, powerful, minister the spirit, share revelation. You will clap and you'll be there. But they are not your father. They are, they are teachers. They are instructors. They, are not, they didn't cause your existence. You were arranged. You were arranged. I didn't come with you people from London. When I came, someone has birthed you. 
caused you to exist, labored for your existence, established you, arranged, arranged for you to be seated here. And I was given a microphone to talk to you. Yes. So I am different from your father. Yes, you have to know the difference. As you clap for me and you say powerful, clarity, mercy, as you say all these wonderful things, know that, know that I did not cause your existence. So I am not your father. No, you have to, you have to know that. You have to know because, because church members can be simple minded. Simple minded. And sometimes the honor they give to guests, if only they will give a fraction of that honor to their father. The person who labors, teaches them, counsels them, prays for them, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, they don't accord the same honor to the person. But you see, they see a guest and they are so impressed. Oh, yes. I've been a pastor for a number of years. I've been a pastor for a number of years. You see, you see how people will treat a guest. As though, as though the person brought them on the aeroplane they came in. And the person you has been there, labored, been with them, established them, fed them, arranged the meeting, and rolled the red carpet for the guests to come and talk. Then you see, they are giving the honor to the guest. Honor is to fathers. Honest, honor is to fathers. Honor is to fathers. If you ask me, who should you honor? I'll point your father out. This is the person you should honor. If you have honor, respect, gift, offerings, anything that you think of this thing, any, obedience, anything that registers as honor to you, this is where you should go. Not the guest who comes to work here for, for two days and has disappeared. Yes. This is the person you honor. This is the person who caused your existence. Not guests who come around. Also, I guess they are nice and very impressive. Yes. 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 And guests, guests who don't want to tell you the truth and take advantage will not tell you what I'm telling you. Yes. So that you will direct all the honor to them. Yes. If you want, you, you want to define in your life who is your father, ask yourself the question, who do you honor? Who do you honor? Who do you honor? You have honor? Give it to him. If you had not been for him, you would never have met me. Oh, yes. You, you know that. Know that. Yes. How many of you have been blessed by my visit? Uh-huh. So say thank you to him. Uh-huh. Yes. 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 Because if he says, if he says, don't come, I cannot come. If he doesn't invite me, I cannot come here. I cannot come and tell people that, look, I'm some very, very powerful man of God. <laughs> no, no, no. You'll be saying, thank you, Bishop Richard, for coming. Thank you, Bishop Richard, for this. Bishop Richard, but I need you to see the little thing that is the big thing that you can easily overlook, which is your father, which is the person in the house. He brought me here. He gave me the date. He gave me the, I can't forget the date, 17th October to 21st. 
which ones will work for you? 17th to 21st October. Last year. Not this year. Last year. He booked me last year. Yes. 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 Last year. Not this year. Last year. Mm-hmm. A true son honors his father. A true son honors his father. Your father is not your colleague. He may joke with you, he may laugh with you, he may eat with you, he may say that, but always know, always know that. Keep that thing. There's something called Anna. Keep that thing between you and him. Anna him so that he stays as well. So you can constantly be looking up to him and receiving from him for leadership, for protection for deliverance that you can look at it. So keep that honor there. Keep that honor there. Yes. I'm sure there'll be, I don't know, I don't know whether you get guest ministers of him, but there'll be other ministers. Powerful. They'll come with glory. Where they come as you see glory. The glory of God has come into the church. Glory. <laughs> but when the, when the glory comes and the glory goes, I want you to know that that person is not your father. Yes. That person is not your father. It's your father who brought him. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. It's your father who brought him. Yes, you have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers. Plenty. Plenty will give instructions. Plenty. If I, in the world today, social media, there are plenty instructions. So everybody is saying something. Yes. Everybody is saying something. Everybody is sharing a revelation. On social, plenty instructors there, but they are still not your father. They're still not your father. It's your father who taught you to read your Bible. It's your father who taught you to listen to messages. It's your father who taught you to listen to Christian music. So when you're on YouTube and you're looking for all these messages, all those, remember that you still have a father. Remember the father who taught you. Remember and honor him. Yes. Yes. Your foundation is becoming thick. Thick. You are getting thick foundation. Thick. Okay, number five. I want to see and hear that you honor your father. Yes, that you really honor your pastor. Yes. That his birthday is a special day in this church. Even if he says, I don't like it, you say, that, uh, he says, uh, uh, Pastor, please, this one, <laughs> the Bible says we have to honor you. So we are sorry. We obey you in a lot of things, but we have to obey the Bible. So on your birthday, it's a special day for us. We will honor you. Yes. And the pastors must lead the way. The pastors must honor him more than even the congregation. The pastors and the leaders, you have to write. Don't make yours. Don't, don't turn yourselves into um, let me not even say it. Yes. Is it? Fathers always provide. So you will think they don't have a need. Honoring is not to meet a need. It is to honor. You will see the person has more than you 
more than you. But you are not meeting a need because you will not see his needs. He was not, he will not tell you his needs. What you are obeying is a spiritual principle. So you honor and God does his part. Yes. It's all sitting that oh, he has more than us, he's better than us. He's so how can we go and give him an offering? How can we no? It's, it's not by need. It's a spiritual principle. It's not based on the need. And you see, you don't have, and you don't seem to have because you don't honor. Yes. That's why you have not come out of that trap because you are always waiting for him to give because he's as for daily bread. It's that he will give you the daily bread. But when will you also start giving others daily bread? When you start honoring him, you will be blessed. There are some doors that are locked to you because you haven't honored. Yes, because you haven't honored and you don't honor. Because you feel he doesn't need. Because he's the one who is always providing for you, giving you good. You have to honor him. You have to, you have, to have a date in this church. A date. His birthday, that date, must be a special day in this church. You must decorate the church with balloons and everything. Kill a pig, kill a cow, kill a lamb. And apart from that, present gifts in honor to him to provoke greater anointing into your life. Your pastor must be honored. Your father must be honored. Yes, he must be honored. That is your way out of poverty. That is your way out of difficulty. That's your way out of the lack of anointing. You don't see anointing because you don't honor. That is your way. That is the door for you out of out of being dry. No anointing. That's your way out of it. In Mark chapter 6, the Bible says Jesus went away. Jesus went away. And Bible says that he could there do no miracle. Because he was not honored there. That is why he said that a prophet is not without honor. Means that a prophet is always honored except when he comes to his relatives and his tribesmen. Yes. He said the reason why he cannot do miracles, signs and wonders and the power of God is not seen because he's not honored. Honoring always stirs up signs, wonders, miracles, anointings. You don't have a certain anointing because you don't honor the man that you are supposed to honor. You don't honor him. Yes. When you see the anointing, perhaps when you see him, you can't even see anointing. Yes. You see a man. Maybe you don't even see him as an anointed man. You, you, see, you see him as somebody who will give me a thousand pull-up. Yes. Yes. So you don't honor the anointing. You don't honor the anointing. You don't honor the anointing. You're sitting in your corners after the meetings and they say that, wow, Bishop Pretty has really blessed us. The message was powerful. There's clarity. There's power. There's movement. There's, there's, but the person who brought, the person who had the wisdom that let bring such a person to come and talk to us, he's the one you must honor. That higher wisdom that gave you access to what you have access to. It's the person you have to think about that. Pastor, it's the person you have to say, Pastor, thank you so much. Thank you so much. 
and honor him. Create a difference between you and him by honor. Yes. And especially the pastors. Especially the pastors and the shepherds. Especially you. Because you are the ones that he will provide for more. He will do things for you. He will keep doing things for you. So you are the ones who will be thinking he doesn't need. So you are the ones I'll say to you that he doesn't have to need before you give you. Honoring is not meeting a need. Honoring is a spiritual principle to activate anointings and the power of God. Jesus could there do no miracle because he was not honored. This same chapter, that was the end. That was the end. That's when he walked on water. Because the people saw him and they ran to him. Anointing was, I mean, the power that was stirred up when Jesus was honored, you can't even imagine it. That the same person has just gone to lay hands on a few people, heal some headaches and some tummy aches and walked away. The same person. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Same chapter. Same man, same person. The same person. Same man, chapter 6. He was so understanding. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything. He was totally locked. Anointing was locked. Yes. If you start honoring your pastor in a certain way, you will see more power. You will see more glory. Yes. You will see more miracles. Anyway, number five. Hmm. Sons obey their fathers. Sons obey their fathers. Obedience. Turn to your neighbor and ask the person, by the way, when was the last time you obeyed what your father told you to do? they say? When was the last time they obeyed? They can't remember. (laughs) What a shock. Ephesians chapter 6. Are you going to honor your father at home? Or you're going to join your mother to insult his her boyfriend. <laughs> what about in church? How if you're going to honor your father in church? Go to honor him. Yes, go to honor him. You know his birth date, isn't it? What's his birth date? What's the date? Tenth August. 10th August 10.08 yes 10th August that day whether it is a Tuesday a Friday a yesterday a whatever day it is 10th August 
It's a day of age. This is our chance. Yes, this is our chance. You have to say, Pastor, that's the only day that we don't take instructions from you. We take instructions from the Bible. Yes. They say, Pastor, Pastor, this one we beg you. 10th August is the day. Is the day you can't tell us to stop. Because we are obeying the Bible. And you brought you brought that man to us. And he came to tell us. You brought him. You brought him. He came to tell us that 10th August. 10th August is the day. It is it is called our day. That day is for us. Leave us to show how we love you, how we appreciate you, how we like you, and how we thank God for giving a gift to us like you. That is our day, 10th August. Pastor, leave it to us, please. For the rest of the year, we obey you. This one, it's us. It's us. It's us, yes. You see, when people start criticizing you, criticizing you for the way you honor your, fa- your pastor, your father, then you know that you started doing the right thing. Yes, people become jealous of you. They start criticizing. When they start asking you, we see God. Then you know that, ah, ah, you've entered a realm. You've entered a realm. You've entered a realm. Yes. Yes. And when they ask you that question, is he God? Tell them that God is a spirit. Then you also ask them, is he a spirit? Then you tell them, I don't want, then you tell them, don't ask me such stupid question again. Don't ask me such stupid. I'm too intelligent for such a question. Don't ask such stupid questions. Yes. Wow. Those on the back, are you sleeping? Check if your neighbor is sleeping. Check if your neighbor has bowed his head. Tell him that, no, you can't bow your head. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. What is right? To obey your parents. If you're wondering, what is what's the right thing to do? The right thing to do is to obey your parents. That is what is right. So true sons and daughters obey their parents because that is right. What is right? What is the right thing to do? I have this situation, I have this situation. I'm wondering, should I do this? Should I do that? What which one should I do? Obey your parents. What your parents are saying is what is right. That's what my Bible is telling me. Obey your parents. That is right. So children obey their parents. You, you can only obey when there are instructions. Yes. So when you receive the instruction, you should know that the father has spoken. You either obey or disobey. Yes. So your test, the litmus test for obedience is the existence of instructions. Yes. That's the test, whether you're obedient or not. Are there any instructions? Is there anything you've been told to do that you haven't done? Yes. That's when you know. Number six. Sons and daughters do what they see their fathers do. 
wauzi wazapanga <laughs> help me Jesus they do what they see their fathers do John 5 19 then answered Jesus and said unto them verily I say unto you the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. What he seeth the Father do. What does your Father do? Does he do evangelism? Then do evangelism. Does he pray? Then pray. Do what you see your father do. Does he preach from the Bible? Then preach from the Bible. Not that when you see what your father is doing, then you are going to do the opposite. You know, let me give you one of the secrets of success, which I had mentioned earlier anyway. One of the secrets of success is the ability to copy. Yes, is ability to copy. Yes. Most the pride, the pride of people who are not doing well or as well as they can do is the temptation. The temptation to adjust what they have seen. Jesus is saying that the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do. For whatsoever things soever, what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. The son does exactly what he has seen his father. If you go to Europe, I thought you say you'd be there. Go to Europe. France, Belgium, Germany, Switzerland. When you are driving through those places, nobody has allowed himself to be left behind. If you do what we do, you bring your roads, we do our roads. You make your car, we make our cars. You make this size car, we make the similar size car. They are masters of copy. Masters. Masters of copy. Masters. They do what they see the other one doing. So you see they are par. That's the secret to success. Not, not recreating and reinventing the wheel. Not trying to do something different. A little difference will make a big difference. A little, a little adjustment. A little adjustment. You need to be able to copy and do the thing as it is and become a master of it before you try anything different. Do what you see your father doing. 
and do exactly what you see your father doing. Number seven. Are you tired? Well, I'm not tired too. (laughs) Sons, sons carry the words of their fathers. They'll preach the same message as their fathers. They'll preach from the books of their fathers. They'll preach the messages of their fathers. They'll preach you think that's their father, but it's become their message. Yes, they carry the words of their fathers. They carry the words of their fathers. I have no apology. Carry the words of my father. I have no apology. If you guess you are looking for an apology, not from me. Mm-hmm. That's why I say that you don't you do not carry the words of your father. Bring your fruits. Bring your fruits, la. And I'll bring mine. Yours on the left, mine on the right. And let's compare. You're the one that you are now creating your own things, manufacturing things. Hmm. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 3. When I was a son to my father, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Verse 4. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Let your heart retain my words. My words. My words. The next foundation is the foundation of tithing. So I finished the foundation of loyalty. Yes. Another is the foundation of tithing. So tithes and offerings, understand, is the foundation of the church. It is the main or only source of the church's income. That's how a church is run. That's how a church is built. That's how a church is built. That's how you can have a building. And that's how you can have other buildings. Tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. Yes. You must not be in the church and not be a tither. Or a leader of the church and you don't pay tithe. Yes. Any little, don't, don't say what I have is not much. Because I know people and I've heard of people who had a lot and say that they have too much to pay tithe. Yes. That's why Jesus said, he that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. If you can't pay tithe when you don't have much, you will not be able to pay tithe when you have much. To those of you who think of yourself that you don't have much now, you are the ones who have to pay tithe. 
Yes. In case you, um, you think, in case you think I'm talking about people who earn five thousand dollars a month, no, I'm talking about people who don't earn anything, but someone gives them a gift, and the first thing that occurs to me them is tithe. That ten percent of this belongs to God. Ten percent of this belongs to God. Yes, they are the ones I'm talking about. Small, big tithe. That is the church's income. That's how the church gets money. That's how the church is run. Tithe and offerings. Tithe and offerings. In your life must be tithing and giving of offerings. You give offerings and you pay your tithe. 10% of your income is tithe. The scripture says that the tithe is holy. It says the tithe belongs to the Lord. So you don't take from God. You don't take what belongs to God. You don't say, you don't say this month I'm not paying tithe. Next month I'll pay it. No. It means this month you're a thief. Mm-hmm. So tithing offerings. What is the, what is the main thing that tithing and offerings does in your life? It activates the principle of sowing and reaping. That's what it does for you. I've told you what it will do for the church. It gives the church an income and a regular income to build. How many of you are happy with your church building? Yes. Where, where does church money come from? Where does church money come from? Arm robbery. You think the pastors, when we close from church, that they change and they become arm robbers? Tithe and offerings. Tithe and offerings. That's what the, the Bible says that bring in the tithe or there shall be meat in my house. Bring in all the tithes or there shall be meat in my house. There's meat in the church when there's tithe and offerings. If you, are, you don't even have to do anything special, just be faithful with your tithe and offerings. Every month bring your tithe. Every Sunday bring your offerings. Tithe and offerings. Tithe and offerings. Tithe and offerings. And there will be meat in the house. Tithe and offerings. Tithe and offerings. Tithe and offerings. And there will be meat in the house. Yes. Tithe and offerings. Faithfully. Faithfully bring your tithe. Faithfully bring your offerings. And there shall be meat in the house of God. In Genesis chapter 8. What's in verse 22? It says that while the earth remaineth. Are we still on earth? Is the earth still remaining? Check. Stamp your feet and check if the earth is there. Uh-huh. So you are still on earth, isn't it? You're on earth. You're not in heaven. The earth still exists. The earth hasn't disappeared. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. A few days ago, you were feeling cold, isn't it? Today, you are feeling hot, isn't it? Uh Cold and heat. Summer and winter. Some months ago, I think you were in your winter. Now you are in your summer. We too, some months ago, we were in our um, summer. We are now in winter. 
day and night. Do you remember that a few hours ago it was night? Now it is day. Shall not cease. So if you believe in day and night, and you believe in summer and winter, and you believe in cold and heat, then you must believe in seed time and harvest. Yes. That when you sow seeds, there shall be a harvest. When you take this verse, the person speaking here is called Jehovah. Do you remember I told that his name is Jehovah? Covenant keeping God. Covenant keeping God. This is what he said. He said, while the earth, this is, these are his words, while the earth remaineth, anybody who sows seed is guaranteed a harvest. Anybody. Anybody who sows seed is guaranteed a harvest. Anybody at all. How many of you have ever prayed? Ever prayed? Lord, as I'm going to sleep, let the morning come. It's not, it's, it's, you don't pray about such things. How many of you have ever prayed? Oh, God. After summer, Lord, this year, let winter come. Lord, we are praying for winter. 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 Oh God. Winter. Oh God. Winter. I need winter. I want winter. Ah, God. Winter. Have you seen such a thing? You don't pray for winter? You don't pray for summer. You don't pray for cold. You don't pray for heat. You don't pray for day. You don't pray for night. Then this one as well. Do what he says you should do. And it will follow you. It's not a prayer topic. It's not a prayer topic. Prosperity. Prosperity has biblical principles. If you follow it, God, God will do his part. If you follow it, God will do his part. I remember the day or even the year when I said to myself, I will not give an offering below this amount again. And I remember when I was saying to myself, I was saying to myself, hey, you know, then Satan, Satan quickly multiplied that amount by four. Yeah, because they have like there are four Sundays, averaging four Sundays. So if, if this is my Sunday offering I'm going to give, he multiplied by four. And he said to me, But how much do you earn? So if you give this, this is the amount that is going out of your salary. And I remember I said, I said to him, I don't care. I know I don't I don't care. Because seed time and harvest will not. Do you know that since that day and since that year, I've never given an offering less than that amount? Wow. I've never I mean I always have to give. I always have, so I, because you can't give what you don't have. I always have to give, and my life is unaffected. Yes, yes, yes. Seed time. So if you have been planting just one seed, just one seed, change the seeds that you are planting, and watch God. When you finish, just watch him. Like when you go to bed today, you don't even think about tomorrow that when we wake up, will it be still be night or will it be day? You don't even think about it. It comes. It's his way. He said, the longer the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not see it. Yes. When you sow seeds, harvest will come. Your tithe and your offerings. Your tithe and your offerings. 
So long as you suspend your tithe and offerings, you suspend your harvests. Yes. Your harvests have been taken out because of your tithe and offerings that don't come. Yes. Start tithing. Start giving offerings. And decide, when it gets to offerings, decide, I will not give an offering below this amount. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Even this morning, even this morning, I was watching a message and the preacher was taking an offering. So I had to take an offering. I said, hey, let me give my offering. Oh, let me give my, I just said, oh, let me give my offering. And I went to my phone. I mean, I didn't even think about it. I just typed the amount. So that's it. That's the offering I gave. That's the offering I gave. Yes, that is the offering I gave. You can't stop me because you are not my provider. You are not the one who provides for me. The one who provides for me provides for me enough to have to give. Yes. Yes. Change your offerings. Your lifestyle will change. Mm. Yes. He said, while the earth remains. That's why I told you that check if you are still on earth. If you are still on earth, then this applies. Then I ask you, have you felt cold before? Have you felt hot? Have you seen summer? Have you seen winter? I even ask you, have you prayed for winter before? So why have you left this one out? Seed time and harvest. I see you blessed. The next foundation is the foundation of shepherding. When there are shepherds, there will be sheep. Where there are shepherds, there will be sheep. Without shepherds, the sheep will be scattered. So a lot of shepherds must be raised. And the shepherds must be trained to shepherd. The shepherds must be trained to shepherd. They must be trained. They must be helped to shepherd. They have to be trained. They have to be taught. There has to be shepherd's school. Shepherd's school with a pastor teaching the shepherds on how to shepherd. We have books that shows you that shows you how to be a shepherd. What it means to be a shepherd. Art of shepherding. Trains you on how to be a shepherd. And how to be a good shepherd. There's a book called The Privilege. The Privilege. It teaches you how to be a shepherd. Oh yes. That's the title that Jesus took. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I don't know why you, a man of God, you are calling yourself a CEO. Proudly calling yourself a CEO. You don't want to call yourself a shepherd. You say you're a CEO. You've printed cards and you've put on a CEO. When Jesus said, I'm, a good, I'm the good shepherd, 
Jesus said, I'm a shepherd. You, you don't want to be shepherd. You want to be a businessman. You are into business. You are into business. Yes. Yes. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, the title Jesus took was shepherd. Jesus said, shepherd, I am a shepherd. I am a shepherd. And you say you want to be like Jesus. How many of you would like to be like Jesus? Then you must be a shepherd. No CEO. OMD. Shepherd. Shepherd. With sheep. Where there is a shepherd, sheep gather. If there was no shepherd, if there was no shepherd, I would have entered into an empty room. Yes. There's a gathering because there's a shepherd. There are people because there's a shepherd. Somebody has been feeding you. Feeding you. Somebody has been gathering you and feeding you. That is why the church exists. That's why the church exists. The church exists because there's a shepherd. And there will be more people in the church if there are more shepherds. Yes. If there are more shepherds who gather, put people together and feed them. More shepherds, more people. More shepherds, more people. More shepherds, more people. More people. More, more people with a shepherd's heart. The heart of a shepherd, the heart of Jesus. When he says that, do you love me? Do you love me? He said, if you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, in other words, if you love me, become a shepherd. If you love me, if you love Jesus, then feed his sheep. More shepherds, more people. More people. More people. If we had more shepherds, this camp will be all the way to the back, to the wall like that. There will be people in overflow rooms. There will be shepherds in overflow rooms watching us on video. Because everybody would have brought his sheep. If we had more shepherds. This is the work of perhaps a few shepherds. That's why we have few shepherds. Not so many shepherds. Few shepherds. The more shepherds we have, the more people we'll see. Yes. They are going to be shepherds. Amen. Oh, shepherds. How many of you like your church to grow? The more shepherds. Not, she- not shepherds with title. Shepherds with work. Yes. Yes. Is it sometimes there are people who have the job, but they don't have, they don't, they don't have the title. And there are people who also have the title, but they don't have the job. You need the title and the job. If you are called shepherd, where is your sheep? A minister was teaching on leadership said that if you're a leader, if you're a leader and you don't have anybody following you, then you've gone for a walk. Because if you are a leader, you must of necessity have people following you. Yes. Yes. So if you are a leader, look there, there's nobody following you. Then you've gone for a walk. You are not leading anybody. So you are a shepherd. He says, shepherd, no sheep. 
I don't know what you are then. No, then you are a sheep. Because then you are following somebody else. Somebody else is your shepherd. Then you are a sheep. Ask your neighbor, where's your sheep? And the final foundation. Last foundation. Is the foundation of the art of leadership. So the foundation of the art of leadership. must be leaders. There must be leaders. There must be people with leadership qualities and leadership abilities. There must be people who have developed themselves into leadership role. Now, are you listening to me? Are you sure you are listening to me? You may be a pastor but you are not a leader. You may be a shepherd, but you are not a leader. You may be a husband, but you are not a leader, especially in Botswana. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, let, let's, not, let's not pretend. Let's not pretend. A lot of husbands are led by their wives. Their wives are doing what they want. And they follow Oh yes. Oh yes. 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 But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the husband is the head of the house. Headship is leadership. Headship is leadership. Yes. Yes. Their homes. Let's go to homes. Their homes. The woman is a is a leader there. It's an abnormality. It's an, an it's, a, it's, a, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. You know, to save us from me talking too much, <laughs> we talking too much. In the art of leadership, one of the chapters. In the book Art of Leadership, one of the chapters talks about the greatest attribute of a leader. That is the cardinal sign of a leader. That is who is a leader. Or what does a leader look like? Do you want to know? Is decision taking. The greatest attribute of a leader is decisions. Who decides? Who decides? That is it. You can be a pastor, but you're not a leader. You see, leadership is influence. Who influences? Who guides? Who leads the way? Who determines what is done? That's the person who is the leader. Anytime you see a group of, when you see a group, anytime you see a group of people, one or two of them are the leaders. 
Everybody saw this guy. So how do you how do you determine who is the leader in this group? The one who says what we are doing. That's the leader. Yes. So you see, you can go to a home. He is the man. He is male. He has a male organ. He has hair on his chest. He has a beard. He has all the features of a man. But he is not the leader in this house. Because he doesn't make the decisions. His decisions are not followed. His decisions are challenged and overthrown and rubbished. Yes. Yes. So he is lacking the greatest attribute of a leader. He hasn't got it. He hasn't got it. He's, he's, a, he's a spineless, he's a spaghetti husband. Spaghetti. Like that. Spineless. She does what she wants. She goes where she wants. She chooses what she wants. She uses money when she wants. She has the budget. She controls the money. She buys what she wants. She does what she wants. Who is the leader? We are, talk, we are talking about leadership. Not titles. Titles. Leadership. 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 Doesn't say you see, you can you can even be in the church. This is a person we call pastor, but he's not the leader of the church. So that even his wife is a leader. God forbid. Yes. So even the wife is a pastor. The wife is a leader. The wife who is not who is not even a pastor could be the leader of the church. She can look like this and say, this one, I don't want this one around you. I don't want this person working with you. She sucks who she wants to suck. That's, that's Jezebel. That's Jezebel. That's when the Jezebel spirit is at work. Yes. Deletes from her insecurities. Say, no, not this one. No, not this one. No, not this one. And the only, the only reason is because the person she is sucking, the person has long hair, she has short hair. Or the, or the person is, the person is dark and she's fair. So when she sees dark people, she's insecure. She decides what is to be done. I'm telling you today, greatest attribute of a leader decisions decisions a leader is a decisive person you know a lot of people have discussions they are discussing we are talking about this but there's no conclusion there's no conclusion you see if you're a husband or even a team leader and your members or your wife asks a set there's a certain question there's a certain question so what are we doing then it means that you are failing in leadership. Because what she's prompting you or what the other people are prompting you to do is that decide. Can you decide what we are going to do? Can you decide? Can you say, take a decision. We know it's, it's, it's complex. We know it's difficult. We know it's hard. But make a decision. What are we going to do? What are we doing? 
Because we've talked. This is we've talked about it uh, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Decide. Now decide. Now decide. If you're there, brother, you've worked with the sister. The one day she comes to ask you that, so will you marry me? It's, it's bad. It's bad. When are you, I mean, will, when are you going to propose? Will you marry me at all? I mean, it's bad. It means that she, she can say that you can't decide. If you're not careful, she'll even propose to you. Four reasons why you must be decisive. So if you want to know that you are really the leader, be decisive. Be decisive. I'm just giving you one, one, of, the, one of the things that makes you a leader. Be decisive. Be decisive. Be decisive. Be decisive. Decide who you want to marry and tell her, I want to marry you. If she says no, move on to it. She's not the last born of women. Women are not finished. Just there. You can't decide. It doesn't, it doesn't make you romantic. You are spineless. You are a man without conviction. You are a man without a vision. You don't know. You actually, it's, it's evidence that you don't even know what you want. You don't even know what you want and how you want what you want. As this little girl is decided, has wrapped you around her little finger, she's wrapped you around it. You can't even breathe. Sisters, I hope you still like me. <laughs> Little girls wrapped you around this. You, you, you're a man. Man. Hair on your chest. Hair on your face. You can't decide. You can't make a decision. You can't make a decision. Hmm. You are just there. And she's telling you what to do. She's telling you what to do. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying something like a quarrel or, you know, break people's heart or break. No, 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 no. I'm trying to point out that this person, if you marry this person, you are supposed to be leading her. I'm talking about future. If you can't lead her now, how do you think you can lead her tomorrow? How can you lead her? How can you lead her? If you can't tell her what to do, you, even, even marrying her, to say, I want to marry you. You can't tell her, I want to marry you. She is telling you when she will marry you. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. I am just I am just imagining the future. What the future is going the your house is going to be very interesting. Because she will tell you when you you must eat. She will tell you when you can have sex. She will tell you when you can have children and when you can't have children. She will tell you when to go to bed and when you can't go to bed. She will tell you when you can go to church and when you can't go to church. I mean, you, you may think you may think I'm making it up. But I'm telling you that if that if that girl takes over your life, she's going to lead you. And do what you will do what she wants. Yes. You will see yourself doing what she wants. The Bible says that he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. He that finds a wife. Not he that is found by a wife. So in other words, you are the one looking for a wife. And as you are looking, you say, okay, this one is not it. Let me see. Okay, this one is not it. Okay, this one doesn't look like it. Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking. Not this one. I'm looking. I'm not sure. I need to pray about this one. This one. This one sings, but I'm sure she won't sing at home. So not this one. You see, you are looking on. You are looking and you are looking for what will work for you. What is suitable. What is, you, you must know yourself and know what is suitable for you. What can help you. What will promote you. What will make you happy. What will make you comfortable. So you are looking. He that findeth. You, are look, you have to look for it. You have to look. You have to look. You are looking. You are checking. You are checking. This one was done. I think she will be done. At two for one, one two. I think she's dancing a lot at home. I'm going to pray about her too. So now, now you have two people that you are praying about. She said, "I can't find any more." Then you go to pastor. Pastor, have these two because in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. You go to pastor. Just, just you and pastor. Let's discuss these two options. Then pastor says that knowing you. I think this one will be better for you. So take this one. Then you say, hey, Pastor, but the other one too is nice. So. The pastor says, Oh, yes, it's nice, but this one will be better. They say, Okay, Pastor, thank you very much. I'll go for that one. Then you go back and say, I have found. Not walking around like a spaghetti brother. You can't make up your mind. How are you going to lead your home? How are you going to lead your home? How are you going to lead your home? What, 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 what type of home are you going to run? Even to have sex, you have to put it in writing. Make an, you have to make an application. You have to give... 
five months notice five months notice before you'll be given one five months notice before you'll be given one Four reasons why you must be decisive. What? Ibo, you like stories. (laughs) Decisions. Decisions. Ladies, encourage your men to be decisive, okay? Don't take over. You are ruining them when you take over. To encourage them to take decisions. Help them to make decisions. When they say, what do you think? Tell them, oh, I want to know. I want Tell them respectfully and nicely. I want to know what you want to do and I'll flow with it. Say it nicely and encourage him to become confident in himself to make decisions. You will benefit. You will benefit by getting a leader as God has ordained and appointed. You get a leader and do what he says. Try and follow and flow. Encourage him. Encourage him to make decisions. Don't take over and run over him and do what you want. Don't come home and say that this is what your mother said you should do. So you are marrying your mother. Are you married to your mother? Are you married to your mother? How do you come and tell you this is what my mother said? Then your mother should move into the house. Somebody say, Mercy. Instead of bringing your mother's policies into the house, encourage your husband. What would you like? That, oh, I know you've spoken to pastor. I know you've got godly advice. Well, what, what do you think we should do? Encourage him to conclude. Encourage him to conclude. To end on matters. And to say what, what makes him happy. And especially when he says, oh, I don't mind. I'm okay with what I say. Say, no, 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 no. I don't want to, I don't want to do what I want in this house. I want to do what you want. Say what you want. Encourage him. Help him. Help him to become a man. Don't make him more into a woman. And be happy, be happy that you, you do what you want. And he's allowed you to do what you want. Don't be happy because it's not a position of blessing. Yes. Encourage him to tell you what to do. Don't be there and be laughing your head and say, Oh, what's my husband? No, I can I can, you know, I have him wrapped around my finger. He will do anything I want. Encourage him to be decisive. Because now he's going to make decisions for your children and for your future. Is your mother going to decide everything in the house? Is your mother going to decide everything? Mm. Number one. The first reason is because God is a decisive God. Number two. All great leaders are decisive. 
Number three, failure to decide is a failure to lead. Ten decisions. And then number four, sorry, the fourth one is failure to decide is the same as a decision to do nothing. Ten decisions of Jehovah. When the earth was without form and void, God covered with darkness. He and covered with darkness. God took the decision to create heaven and earth. John Genesis one two. Number two, when God realized that man was lonely, He took a decision to create a woman. Genesis two eighteen. Instead of staring at the problem, God takes decisions. Three, when the earth was full of dark or full of wickedness. God took a decision to kill all human beings and leave only only Noah and his family. Genesis 6, verse 5. Number 4. When God saw Noah's sacrifice, he took a decision not to destroy all living things anymore. Genesis 8, 21. 5. When God saw the homosexuality of Sodom and Gomorrah, he took a decision to eliminate that city forever. Genesis 18, verse 20 and 21. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Decisions. Any situation you are met up with, if you are a leader, you take decisions. Not if you are a pastor. Not if you are a shepherd. Not if you are a husband. If you are a leader. If you are a leader. It's a separate ingredient from the title you are carrying. If you are a leader, you make decisions. You haven't haven't changed your leader of your choir because you are not a leader. If you are a leader, when you see the problem, you change it. You say, this person cannot handle the choir. This person cannot be in charge of this. That's that's a leader. A leader comes out and says, this person cannot be in charge of this anymore. Because it's not working. That is a leader. A non-leader will discuss, will complain, will murmur. Meanwhile, you are the person in, in charge. You are the person with the power to change, and you are not changing it. Mm. Number six. When God saw that the Israelites were suffering so much in Egypt, he took a decision to rescue them from the hand of Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. Number seven, when God was taking the children of Israel out of Egypt into Canaan, they began to complain. God immediately took a decision to keep them in the wilderness for 40 more years. Hebrews chapter three and verse nine. And then number eight, when God saw that Lucifer was rebellious, he took a decision to cast him out of heaven. Ezekiel 28, 17. Nine. When God realized that the Israelites did not want to be ruled by a prophet, he took a decision to change the style of leadership from judges to kings. 1 Samuel 8, 7. And then 10, when God saw that all of his creation was going to be lost through sin, he took a decision to send his son to win them back. John three sixteen and 17. I've given you 10 decisions that God took. 
six keys for decision taking. That is how to be somebody who is able to take decisions. One, be brave. Yeah. You need, you need, you need confidence and courage to make decisions. The reason why some people don't make decisions, it's not that they don't know what is right, but they are not brave enough to say it. The reason why your husband can't tell you what to do, that he's not happy with you, is because he's afraid of you. And that is not good for you. It's not a nice thing to say your husband is afraid of you. Are you a witch? Yeah. Yeah. But you see, you set yourself up in a way that he can't say what he truly wants. Because he's afraid of you. That's why he can't. It's not that he's not thinking it. Because when others are saying or speaking on his behalf, you see that he's quiet and he agrees. And you, you will be standing there wondering, but he hasn't said anything because he's afraid of you. Because you've made yourself a Jezebel in the house. Yes. If he was not afraid of you, he would have been bold to say it. He would have told you a long time ago what he wants. But he's afraid. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of your mother. He's afraid of your father. He's afraid of your auntie. He's afraid of your entire tribe. So he can't speak. He's become like a prisoner. He's become like a prisoner. So you see, when you come to church and some example is being given, then he stands up and shouts, Preach! See him shouting, hammer the point. Hammer the point. Stay there. You see him shouting, stay there. Yes. All he's saying is that you are a Jezebel. I can't talk to you. I'm afraid. I have to hide behind, I have to hide behind the pastor to tell you what I really want and what I really feel like. So you hear him shouting, hammer the point. Stay there. You're a prophet. Sisters, don't you like brave guys? Don't you want brave guys? Sisters, don't you want brave guys? Yes. Why, are you not sh- why, why have you not been shouting, stay there, pastor, stay there. Hammer that one. Hammer that one. Say, Bishop, hammer that one. Hammer that one. Yes. Yes. You also want you also want men who will tell you what to do, isn't it? Men who will decide and tell you what to do. Who will tell you that look, you are misbehaving. Stop what you are doing. You are wondering why they are not saying it. I'm also surprised that you are not shouting, prophesy. Go deeper. Yes. Hammer that one. Yes. Hmm. Number two. The second key 
is see ahead. If you make decisions, you see ahead. You will see that if I don't make a decision, this is what will happen. And if I make this decision, this is what will also happen. So you, you, you take the future into consideration to help you make a decision now. Yes. ahead again when it gets to marriage when you enter into marriage you discover that what you see is what you saw and what you saw is what you are going to see seesaw it's called the seesaw principle so you have to, you have to again you have to look at her carefully Suspend your feelings. Put a pause. Press pause on your feelings so that you can look well. You ha- because you need to be sober to make a decision. If you cloud, if you cloud your judgment with your feelings, you will not make a good judgment. Because what you are seeing now is what you are going to see. So you have to ask yourself, can I live with this? And don't lie to yourself because of feelings. Don't lie to yourself. Can I live with this? Because some of the things that you see, there's no normal person who can live with it. So all you have to say is, sister, it's not going to work. It's better to break a relationship than to break a marriage. Oh yes. Oh yes. It's better to break a relationship than to break a marriage. It's more complex to break a marriage. And it's difficult to live in a difficult marriage. So once you are not in it, you have the liberty to jump out. And what you see, the signs he's showing you now, signs of stubbornness, disrespect, attitude, rudeness, don't think it's going to change. That's how she's going to be. What you saw is what you are going to see. Those who are married, if you are after check, go and interview those who are married. Ask them that the things you see in your wife now, did you see it before? They saw it, they just didn't understand it. Or it was clouded by feelings. So they couldn't run away. But what they see now, they've seen it before. Hmm. They are only seeing clearly now because they are yes, they are lighter. The feelings have dropped. Have you seen someone who wears glasses but is not wearing the glasses? These are yes. Yesterday I was smiling at someone. She was just sitting there and I was smiling. So I had to call her and say that can you see me? Then I noticed that she's not wearing her glasses. Where are your glasses? Because I was smiling. And she, was like, <laughs> she couldn't see me. She couldn't see me. That's a brother with feelings. Towards a rude girl. Because of the feelings, she, she can't see the rudeness. You see, and that is when, that is when she will also say, like, I've always been like this. Why are you shouting at me? Why are you upset with me? This is how I've been. I haven't changed. 
having changed. Are you there? What were you talking about? What you saw. See ahead. See ahead. See ahead. See ahead. See ahead and make a decision. You've gone to plant a church where you are, the area, the things are not working there. See ahead. And this is not a good place to plant a church. Nobody lives there. Nobody comes there. You've got to plant a church there. See ahead and it won't work. And move to where it will work. See ahead and make a decision. Choose your brains. See ahead. Always take the future into consideration. Number three, consider the consequences of failing to take a decision. Think about what it means if you don't make an action now. If you don't take an action now, what does it mean? Four, move quickly when all relevant information has come in. When you have all the facts, take a decision. Five, implement decisions that have been taken. Six, surround yourself with godly people who give good advice. Another quality in laying the foundation of um, leadership is know about the power of habits and develop good habits. Yes. You need good habits. You need to develop good habits. Twenty good habits of every good leader. One, read your Bible every day. Two, have a personal quiet time every day. Have a personal quiet time with God every day. Three, pray for a minimum of one hour every day. You know, so when it gets to prayer, develop the habit of praying before you eat. So that it will help you to pray. Because you want to eat. Yes. So learn to tell yourself that if I haven't prayed, I can't eat. So I have to pray so I can go and eat. Four. Fast at least once a week. Don't only fast when the whole church is fasting. Have a day in your life when you fast and pray. And when you are fasting, pray. So choose the day that is convenient for you so that when you are fasting, you can spend an extra time in prayer. Good habits. You need the good habits. Oh, 
when I was when I was in the university, university, Fridays are fast the whole day, the whole day, the whole day. I'm sure I sure I'm sure I eat on Saturdays. I fast the whole day and I pray the whole. Uh, my lectures, my lectures in my final year, lectures in final year ends at nine fifteen in the morning, seven fifteen to nine fifteen. I don't have anything again. I move from the lecture room. I drop off my um, notes or whatever straight to the prayer gardens. You won't see me again till the evening. Every Friday in my final year, every Friday. That was my habit. Then on Saturday, on Saturday, I'll take my beloved to the same place at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. I'll meet her. She'll come from her accommodation. I'll come from her just a roundabout. We meet there. Then we walk up to the prayer gardens at 5 a.m. I'll give her one prayer topic. And she won't see me again till 12 noon. Then I'll come back and clap my hands. Then I'll say closing prayer. Then I'll go and see her. Off back to her accommodation. Yes. That's my wife. Yes. Yes. I will pray alone on Fridays from at least 10 o'clock to 6 p.m. Because I have because I have a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock. So it'll be 10 o'clock till around 5-ish. Then I come, have my shower, then go to for my prayer meeting. And then Saturday morning, 5 a.m., 5 a.m. sharp. Because where, where we go and pray, it was called the bamboos. It's like some mini kind of forest. So I had some thick white socks. And she's a lady wearing socks or dress or something. Wearing dress or skirt. So when we're entering, then I'll give her the socks. Then she'll put it on. Long socks like that in her shoes. Yes, beloved. She was my beloved. Yes. My beloved. Then I'll give her the prayer topic. One prayer. I didn't give two. I don't give two prayer topics. One prayer topic. Five o'clock in the morning. She won't see me. Twelve noon. Twelve noon. Then I'll come. I'll come up. Because I'll go somewhere far to pray. While she's in. I'll come back to where she is. Father, thank you. <laughs> yes. That's it, let's go. Yes. Your foundation is changing from today. Your foundation is changing. Yes. It's never too late to lay the right foundation. It is not too late to lay the right foundation. Yes. It is not too late to lay the right foundation. Yes. It's not too late to lay the right foundation. To develop and cultivate the right habit. It's not too late. It's not too late. Yes. After today, I can pray by myself. Alone. Praying, praying having all night alone is not a problem for me. Alone, it's the, I, I enjoy I enjoy all night alone than all night in the church where everybody is watching. You can you can't you don't even know whether you are praying or you are doing a show.
sure you want to know the prayer topic? Those here don't want to know the prayer topic. The prayer topic is Jesus' prayer topic. Thy will be done. Yes. Yes. Thy will be done. Always pray 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 thy will be done. And when you pray thy will be done and you see events unfold, you see people come with sticks and swords after you, know that it is the will of God. Know that God is God's way of taking you higher. Yes. Yes. Don't think when you say you pray thy will be done, every time it means that it will be as you are secretly desiring that it should be. Pray thy will be done. Pray thy will be done. And watch God direct your paths. Watch him direct your paths. When you pray thy will be done, God will direct your paths. Yes. You meet the right people. You go to the right place. You be in the right school. You study the right course. You marry the right person. Your your calling shall be fulfilled. You answer the right calling at the right time. Pray thy will be done. Pray thy will. Never get tired of praying thy will be done. Pray thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done, O God. Thy will be done, O God. Not my will, but thine be done. Yes, thy will be done. Yes. Sometimes you have too many prayer topics. That's why you've never seen God. You've never encountered God. Never encountered God. You've never experienced Him. You know, one of the things I was going to um, share with you in going deeper is going, going deeper means going to the Holy of Holies. Yes. Yes. I was going to take you from the outer court to the inner court to the Holy of Holies. And I'm going to show you seven areas of your life that you must enter the Holy of Holies. Yes. One will be your prayer. As Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. Asking, you're in the outer court. That's why you start praying. You have, you have so many things you're asking God. Hey, 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 God, give me this. Hey, God, God, let me grow taller. Hey, God, let me do this. Hey, God. You see, you haven't encountered God. You haven't encountered. There is a place when you get there. You don't bring your topics. He gives you what he's done. He tells you what to do. There is a place. It's deep in there. Deep in there. It's deep in there. It's deep in there. When you get there, when you, if you ever get to that place, you don't engineer the topics. The topics come to you. Oh, you are quiet. You are quiet. You're just there. That's in there. Not where you are asking. Not when you are asking. Asking, hey God. Hey God, my husband, he doesn't look at me anymore. Lord, let him look at me. 
Hey God, that is it. Hey God, that is it. Hey God, you are so out. You are very, very far out of God. Yes, out of God. That's why they are making sacrifices. You are still struggling to get rid of that boyfriend. Still struggling to pay your tithe. Still struggling to give an offering. Still struggling to have your quiet time. Still, you are still struggling with quiet time. That's where, that's where the lever is. The lever is the bowl. It's made of mirrors. Mirrors. You see, you the only thing you see is yourself. The only thing you see is a James 1 23. The only thing you see is yourself. There's a place in prayer. The only thing you see is you. You don't see anything else. That's you. Everything about you. I, me, and myself. That's all you see, and that's all you know. All your prayer topics is about you. That's all you know. It's made of mirrors. God instructs, He said, take the, take the, take the mirrors from the women and make that thing. So all you see is yourself. It's like it's all about you. But there's a place. When you cross into that place, there's no light there. There's no sunshine. There's no light. The only light is the candlesticks. That's the only light. The only thing that gives you direction is the word of God. Yes. It's only God who can direct you. There's a place. Yes. Anyway, back to habits. Let's go back to habits. <laughs> Going deeper into, I mean, if you can say you like to go deeper into prayer, deeper in prayer, yes, deeper in prayer. Yes. The after court, you spend a long time there. You'll be there. It's not finished. You confess your sins. You confess your sin again. Your sins you you confessed 10 years ago. You come and confess it again. You say, God, is that why something is not working for me? Lord, I'm sorry. You you are far from who God is. When you get closer, you say you are getting closer to a merciful God. A kind God. Someone whose your sins I remember no more. When you are far from him, you keep reminding him. Mm-hmm. Hey. How many habits do you have? Only four. Cha 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 cha. Fast at least once a week. Five. Constantly listen to preaching messages in your car and in your home. Constantly listen to preaching. Constantly. 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 Always let preaching be flowing around you. Six, constantly have a book that you are reading. Mm-hmm. There must be a book that you are reading. Seven, play only Christian music in your house and in your home. Play only Christian music. Because if you don't, if you don't listen to only Christian music, we will catch you. We will know that this, this is what you listen to. This is what you admire. This is what you like. Mm-hmm. Yes. I listen to Holy Christian music. I can't like Holy Christian music. I'm into Christian music. I don't have anything that you would even call neutral because I don't even think there's neutral music. If music was used by David to drive away demons from King Saul, then it should tell you the power of music. That music can drive away devils. And music can also attract devils. Yes. 
So listen to Christian music, okay? Don't let us talk a lot. Eight. Do a lengthy fast at the beginning of the year to commit the rest of the year into God's hand. Nine. Have at least one long prayer time at least once a week. So once a week, pray more than one hour. Praying on Fridays and praying on Saturdays with my beloved was different from praying on Monday to Thursday or Sunday to Thursday. It was, it's different from those are different ones. These are special ones in my life. Nine or ten. Ten. Let your closest friends be members of the same sex. Just as these days, it's also dangerous. Yes, but let your closest friends be members of the same. If you're a lady, don't say your best friend is a man. You cannot tell us that all women are bad and you are the best one. You cannot say that. You can will never accept it. I ask for you that your closest friends are guys. You don't trust women. You cannot say that. You can that is pride. You are not better than all women. Yeah, you flow with guys. Mm. And if you're a guy, to don't tell us that your closest friends are these sisters. You have a ministry to sisters. How come you, everybody you are counseling is a girl? Why? Eleven. Chat with your wife every day. Mm-hmm. Wife, wife. Yes, you heard well. Wife. Mm. Yes. Hammer that one. <laughs> yes, touch with your wife every day. Yes, touch with your because women women have a need to speak. It's a need in them to talk. They like talking. Yes, yes. That's a, if there are ten people, if there are ten people who after church want to see the pastor, nine will easily be women, if not all ten. Yes, yes. and only and only two or one out of the ten will have a serious issue. Yes. The rest just want to talk. I mean, they'll talk about some things, but you see that it's not serious. She just wants to talk. She wants to get some things off her chest. Yes. Yeah. No, if you want your wife to be happy, talk to her. Talk to her. Never say, never say, my wife is quiet. There's no quiet wife. Yes, there's no quiet wife. 
There's no quiet wife. What makes a wife happy is talking. Yes, talking. Let her talk. Like a radio. Let her talk. You have to develop you have to develop ways of letting her feel and know that you are listening. Because most of the things she's saying are not important. She's just talking. So sometimes you, she talks, talks, talks. You, you have to be careful because sometimes you'll be caught. Yes. When you talk, 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 you just say, hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Because sometimes when your wow comes at the wrong time, you say, you are not listening. Why are you saying wow? What did I say? What did I say that you are saying wow? What did I say that you are saying wow? So you have to be a master of saying mm. at the right time. Then you say, eh. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Meanwhile, you are watching your football. Okay. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> Twelve. Play and talk with your children. Thirteen, have sex regularly with your spouse. If you have a spouse, if you don't have a spouse, it doesn't apply to you. So all pastors should be married. Try and marry. Marry one woman. Why? Why? You know, allow me to finish my sentence. Marry one woman and have sex with that woman. And explain to her. Explain it to her. Open your jaws and explain to her that one of the reasons I married you is to have sex with you. So that I can serve God. So that I don't go around sleeping around and falling into sexual sin. So we must have sex. Yes. I thought the pastors would be saying, stay there. Yes. I realize I don't come here often. Why? It looks like I'm always there. <laughs> it's working. It works. It works, yes. I don't know. I don't know why I've not been coming here. And the camp is finished. Anyway, sit down. Sit down. Yes. Yes. 
14. Rest once a week. Yes, you must have a day off. The Bible teaches us about, about the Sabbath. Have a day, a day of rest. Fifteen. Witness to every unbeliever you meet. Yes. Anybody you meet as an unbeliever, witness to the person. Sixteen. Do not borrow money. Seventeen. Set aside some time to specially wait on God every few months. So every few months, have a special place you go to for two days, for three days, just to wait on God. Eighteen. Save money. Don't waste money. (laughs) Nineteen. Develop the habit of not watching too much television. You know, too much videos, movies. For spending too much time on social media. And 20, pay your tithes every month. So that's our foundation for the art of leadership. Yes. Are you going to be good leaders? What's the greatest attribute of a leader? Be decisive. Be decisive. Be decisive. Be decisive. Be decisive. Decide. This is your church. This is your church. It's a decision. This is your church. I'm not going anywhere. This is my church. Decide. Decide. This is your church. I'm staying here forever. It's a decision. Stand to your feet and let's thank God. You want to thank God, just thank him. Just say thank you to God briefly. Just thank him. Just thank him. Just say thank you to God. We are closing off. We are closing the camps. Just thank him for everything you've received. Everything you've learned. Everything you've been blessed by. Just thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Mala nisho talabatastaya. Ma fandili bikata sastaya. Ma bili bita sasta pola basta faya. Prado shte yandalabaki bata sastaya. Mandili bikata sastaya. Thank him. Pray to him. Pray for a change. Pray for a change. Pray that you go deeper and do more. 
you go deeper and do more you go deeper and do more you go deeper and do more pray that you go deeper and do more in different areas of your life I believe God has spoken to you I believe God has given you direction pray that you will go deeper you will go deeper and do more thank you father thank you father father let that grace of multiplication the grace of increase the grace of abundance the grace of spirituality the grace of leadership the grace of being anointed the grace of being an excellent shepherd let that grace stay on your servants let it come and stay on your servants stay in your church that you have planted let there come that grace of blessing of help multiply multiply the people that they may be multiplied Lord bless them that they may be blessed oh God thank you Father that every snare of the enemy is destroyed today I speak distraction into every voice, every snare, every trap of the enemy against these ones. Let the enemy be destroyed. Let there come a blessing of abundance, financial increase, blessings of good things. Let those blessings come and remain in this place. Thank you for these days we've had together. Thank you. Thank you for your teachings. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for the impartation of the Spirit, Lord. Thank you for the change it shall cause and the change it will bring. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you that you bless them. I leave in this I leave this in this place a blessing a blessing let there come the shaman anointing the shaman grace the anointing that establishes the anointing that causes a memory that cannot be deleted the anointing that creates significance something that cannot be erased and taken away let there be a mark let there be a mark let there be a mark from you Lord on this house in this house on your servant and on the servants in this house Lord. let the shaman anointed be present be present may it be impossible for them to be wiped out but may they increase may they multiply may they increase into significance Lord let your purposes be done let your will be done 
let your calling be fulfilled Lord I leave them with your blessing I leave them with your peace I leave them oh God with your peace and with your blessings in Jesus name take your seats quietly